believe that in the 21st century, the topic of periods remains a taboo. My name is Leah, and in this podcast, I interview different people from different walks of life and different stories, and we talk about periods, because it is time to normalize the conversation around our blood. This is I Bleed. We all heard about PMS. My life was dictated by it, a time prior to periods where I was mad, crazy, emotional, psychotic, angry, fighting, divorcing. But I had never heard about PMDD until recently. PMDD stands for premenstrual dysphoric disorder, a disorder that affects 1 in 20 women worldwide, if not more that went undiagnosed. In this episode, I meet with Melissa, a yoga therapist who herself struggled with PMDD and has used yoga practice as a way to heal. And because Melissa has experienced the healing benefits therapeutic yoga provided her, she now offers first-hand remedies and practices to help women with PMDD regain their well-being and their strength. First of all, like if you can just first start by explaining to me what PMDD is, because I think a lot of people don't know what PMDD entails. Yeah, yeah, certainly. So PMDD stands for premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And it's kind of complicated because it's not something that you can just get tested for. Like it doesn't necessarily show up as an obvious hormonal imbalance. Um, Like it's not going to show up in blood work necessarily that something's wrong. So the way that you determine whether or not you have PMDD is through tracking your symptoms. And so some of the big things that differentiate PMDD from PMS is the severity of your PMS symptoms. And so typically about 10 days prior to bleeding around the time of ovulation at the luteal phase, um, there is a like pretty massive and pretty sudden shift in like your physical feelings and your emotional well-being. So you may experience like bloating up to eight to 10 pounds or more. I mean, the bloating, it's like not normal bloating. It's extremely painful. Um, You can have like really awful mood swings and feel like you're one person two weeks out of the month and then a totally other person the other two weeks. Um, And so it also comes often with suicidal ideation. Like you feel so not yourself and so out of control and all of these feelings of like worthlessness and wanting to run away and nobody loves you and I don't make sense like you feel like you understand who you are for about two weeks and then there's this shift and you're like what the fuck is happening whose body is this who am I like what is going on and it's you know it's so extreme that you feel like your life's not worth living and so those are some of the kind of like more basic symptoms, but it also has all of the other things like PMS, of course, like fatigue, brain fog, um, you know, depression, anxiety, paranoia, like, but heightened in a really heightened state. Right. And so the problem with PMDD is it's often misdiagnosed and people think that it's like depression or anxiety or bipolar disorder. Bipolar disorder two is what it's most commonly misdiagnosed as. But the thing about tracking the symptoms is if you are paying attention to your symptoms, then you should see that there's like a pretty like calculated window of like, okay, this is where I like lose control essentially during this hell week is what we call it in the PMDD world. And then once I start bleeding, typically the symptoms go away. 
And so uh, oftentimes for people with PMDD, actually getting your period, like actually bleeding is finally a relief. Right. Wow. Okay. I think a lot of people might suffer through that, but not know. Like, oh, yeah. You know, because oh, it's yeah. like you either think like, I, I, like you talking about it. I'm thinking maybe I did have PMDD without oh, knowing. Yeah. The whole time I was watching your thing, I was like, she has PMDD. Like, it's not just normal PMS. Her mom may have had some symptoms of PMS. But to me, I'm like, okay, she probably had PMDD, but nobody knows. Like, it's, right. there's not a lot of awareness around it. And definitely in this part of the world, like, P, the, the, like already when you say PMS, they're like, PM what? Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. And if you say PMDD, it's going to be, like, mind-blowing. What do you mean, PMDD? You're just nuts. Like, get your grip together. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And like, and it's like, so it's because of the shift of hormones that this happened. Yeah. So there's kind of some debate about what is actually happening. So um, there has been some science that says it's like um, a histamine problem. So discussions about like mast cell activation, that the body is basically over responding to the change in hormones. Um, and I think, you know, for me, I don't know, I'm not a, a science person necessarily, like, I'm not necessarily as concerned with like, what exactly is the mechanism necessarily. I feel like for someone who has PMDD, I'm like, I just don't want to feel this way. <laughs> like, please right. just make me not feel this way, like whatever that means. So oftentimes people take birth control or they'll take like an SSRI. Um, I did both of those things and nothing helped, like nothing changed. So you had PMDD yourself. That's like what kind of brought you yeah, into yeah, this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know what it was either until one of my absolute best friends, like a lifelong best friend, she told me she had it and was talking to me about it. And I was like, you know, fireworks going off in my brain. I'm like, oh my God, that is what has been happening to me. Right. And, you know, it was kind of one of those things where I didn't really need someone else to say like, yes, you have it. And like, you know, give me an official like checkmark diagnosis. I'd been tracking my symptoms for about nine years at that point. Right. And so I was like, this is definitely what, what they say. This is I tick every freaking box on this list. But like, but like until this happened, you never would like, so when you would go see a doctor, they would just say, what, what was the diagnosis that they would give you? Well, I, I didn't have health insurance, so I didn't go to the doctor. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. So you so, were not diagnosed at all. Mm -mm. And so I just was like, yeah, I mean, because I was a freelancer and working for myself, one of the things was that I could alter like my schedule and change and like hide essentially, like not do necessarily what I needed to do or be able to like teach a yoga class for an hour. Like, okay, I just have to get through this hour and then I can crawl back in bed and like, you know, figure out how I can survive these next four hours until I have to do this other thing where I have to show up in the world again and try to behave myself. Because right. um, one of the other things with PMDD is rage. Like your irritation level is on like a thousand. I mean, things make you just feel like you're gonna pop. <laughs> right, right, right. And then, but you were already practicing yoga at that point, right? I was, I was. And so I started practicing yoga for my mental health. Um, so when, so I did my undergraduate degree in women's studies. So I've always been interested in like women's issues and gender issues. Um, and I like, I always felt this affinity of like, I want to do something that helps women in the world. And so my first job out of college was working in a domestic violence and sexual assault center. 
um, which I've like very quickly learned I could not do. Um, and there is a part of me that feels like ashamed when I say that because I'm like, oh, I'm, I was too fragile, but I'm too hypersensitive and too empathic. And I took in everything that was shared with me. Like I didn't, I didn't have yoga then, so I didn't have a way to like process things through. I didn't know what to do with it. And so I was at a point where I was literally having a panic attack a day, like thinking I was going to die, like often throwing up, like awful. Right. You were awful. like, you were a sponge of all the emotions that you were dealing, like of the, that yeah. you were receiving. Yeah. I can yeah, relate absolutely. to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's a correlation. Uh, so I, I want to learn more about this and dive into it a lot deeper, but I think there is a high correlation between women who are like highly sensitive or empathic and who have more painful and suffer more during their menstrual cycle. Right. Yeah, probably. Because I, you know, I, 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 I at one point in my life, I started doing drama therapy and I was doing my master's to become a drama therapist. And I was dealing with clients, but I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't continue. Like at night I would like, you know, people would be like, oh yeah, I'm going to have a coffee or a drink. I'd be like, I can't, like I'm consumed by the thought of my clients, but whatever they felt, I couldn't disconnect. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, I, I really couldn't either. And so that's how I started yoga. Cause I was like, I also can't have a panic attack a day. Like this is not working. It's ruining my life. And so, um, I had done yoga some in college too, but I only remembered just like the Shavasana part, you know, where you just lay on the floor. <laughs> the, so, best, the best part. <laughs> yeah, the best part. <laughs> so um, yeah, I started just like a beginner's course. And the first night of the course, I came home and I practiced more after. And then I woke up the next day and I practiced and then I just never stopped. Like about four months after that, I decided to get trained as a yoga instructor. Like I don't know. I don't know if it happens to everybody, but for me, like when I found this thing and understood what this thing was, I knew it was my thing. Like it was like everything opened before me and it was like, no matter what, this thing is going to be with me forever now. Like, even if I make a business that fails, this will stay with me, this thing that I'm learning and applying to my life. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And how did it, but now I feel like you kind of, so you, you've specialized your yoga even more so. So you've kind of used your background in women's studies and made yoga, like, so you've created kind of your own path. So can you tell me a little bit more about how, like, how did you find that connection between yoga and PMDG? And how did you become a specialized yoga instructor in PMDG? Like, how did that, how does that happen? Well, so first I declared it myself. I will say that <laughs> like, I was like, I have PMDD. I've been working on this on my own for about a decade now. Like there, I don't think there is anybody else as far as I know. And if there is like, I want to know them and meet them and work with them. But like, I'm at this particular convergence in my life where like the different things I know and my own personal experiences have come to this point and I feel compelled to share it. And so that's why I was like, no, I'm, I specialize in in PMDD because this is a thing that on the most intimate level possible, this personal experience level, I understand. And so like when I taught yoga before, I taught it for everybody else. I mean, I taught yoga for Alzheimer's. I taught yoga for grief. I taught yoga for people who had had like a herniated disc in their lower spine. I mean, I taught yoga for everybody. Right. And I tried to be really specialized in yoga and just being able to teach anybody with any experience in front of me. And so now, um, basically because of COVID, I'm like, okay, now it's time to push out the yoga I'm practicing. And this is what helps me with the thing that I suffer from the most. Right. And how, how is it different? How is like yoga for PMDD 
different from other types of yogas that are out there? Yeah, certainly. Well, so I think overall there's this like really horrible misconception of what yoga is. I mean, people think of it as like, you know, leggings and someone on a beach doing handstand and like more Wear, often than wearing not, Lululemon pants over exactly. Lululemon. And, yeah. And most of the time those people are like, you know, either very thin, very athletic, most of the time white. I mean, they're very traditionally attractive. I mean, they're, they're all of the things that you think of as like yoga in the U S. Um, and so as much as it's great that yoga is way more of a conversation and people are doing it, I don't think most people understand what it is. And so the yoga that I teach is therapeutic yoga. And so I'm not addressing the body as just a singular thing. Um, just like, um, I, I can't remember the woman's name, but you, one of the women that you interviewed whose books you did, I want to say Chris, Chris Bobel. Yes. Chris Bobel. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, she had said that, you know, the body is a problem to be solved. Like that's traditionally how bodies have been treated. And I think the traditional, not, it's not traditional, but the yoga practice that people are familiar with, they're seeing it like, Oh, you got to discipline your body to get a six pack or to, you know, do booty blast or to be able to do a handstand or whatever. And so therapeutic yoga, the way I teach it is trying to deal with the entire being. And so with, yoga for PMDD, I'm trying to address not just what's going on on the physical level, but also what's going on on the energetic level, like the level of your breathing, the level of emotions. So like what kind of thought patterns you have that are going through your mind, the stories that you tell yourself. And then also on this level of um, wisdom, you know, like this level of discernment where you can actually witness like the physical body, the emotional body, and the breath body, they're unreliable witnesses. And I know that's kind of like judgmental to say, but like your body changes, right? That's one of the things we know with our cycle. Like it changes drastically each month. And then of course our mind changes, you know, like we decide we like things and then we don't like them. And like, it's, it's unreliable. And then our breath is also often unreliable because if our body is all bound up and super tight like this and we're breathing way up here, that can give us this emotional state of feeling like we're in fight or flight and right. we're not, it, it, it's unreliable. So this wisdom body allows us to discern like what is actually ours? Like, am I actually my body? Am I actually my thoughts? Like, am I actually these patterns that keep playing out? Right. And so, um, the yoga practice, the therapeutic yoga practice, it's really about dealing with the different layers of being because the final layer is the bliss body where you actually feel connected to who you are from the inside out. And you know that your true nature isn't like your bank account, isn't your changing body, isn't your changing mind, but it's actually the, the thing that's like back, back, back of all of that whatever your religious beliefs may be, whatever, you know, however you identify that thing, it's that thing that's further back that is untouchable, that's not, you know, doesn't have any regard for shame or guilt right. um, or mistrust or anything like that. And so there's a lot of different ways to teach yoga that are also not just poses. Um, and so poses are great and they do really work well on the physical body. So, you know, if you're cramping, there are definitely things you can do for cramps. If you have um, rage, there's things that you can do in the emotional body to address rage. Right. And so you can start to work through those different layers to use practices for that. 
But along with breathing and poses, you can also use hand gestures, which this is my favorite hand gesture. <laughs> <laughs> That's a powerful, that's a powerful one. <laughs> it is, it is. But, um, you know, our hands do have energy. And so um, mudras, uh, generally I try to keep the discussion of the practice that I use, like without using like lots of Sanskrit or um, trying to, like I want to talk about on a level that feels really accessible for everybody. Right. Um, that also necessarily bring in um any sort of religiosity that people might be uncomfortable with so which is different from how i normally do things because i like want to honor the sanskrit too but i'm trying to keep it very basic but right okay so like hand gestures are a thing that you can use um as well as yoga sleep which is like a visualization practice it's um it's basically like lucid dreaming and you can use it um to dive deep into your inner body and your inner awareness. Um, and so, you know, chanting and these other things that we do that aren't, that are yoga, but aren't like the things that you can take a nice picture of and be like, look, Instagram, this is my yoga practice. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, what they, it doesn't like, we won't be able to do that. Yeah. One of the differences and just um, how yoga is being like, consumed like as like a commodity and then the actual science of yoga i mean because yoga is thousands of years old and in my mind it's essentially a user's manual like what do we do with this thing okay like you you got a body congratulations how do you use it how does it work and if my body seems to be like self-destructing once a month i better consult my user manual to see like why what is going on um and, you know, I think if I were like a nutritionist, I would, I would go that path and explore, you know, how to fix myself as a nutritionist, but I'm a yoga therapist. So that's what I focused on of like, okay, how do I fix myself using this thing that I know? How do right. I apply that back to me? And, 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 and in regards to the PMD, do, do, do you feel like a yoga practice, like, like it's, a, it's not like, okay, I have PMDD now this week, I'm going to practice yoga. Does it work like that? Or is it more like you have to kind of it has you have to in, incorporate incorporate it as like a daily practice or like part of your life to be able to see results with your PMDD. I think it's both. Um, so I think that when you are experiencing like a really strong symptom, um, like let's say for example cramping, like you have off the chain cramping and you feel like you're going to puke because the pain is so bad. I think there are like poses and breath practices that you could do right away to help calm your body down, to help feel a little bit more at rest. I also think that if you committed to practicing yoga more regularly as a lifestyle choice, not just an exercise choice or weight loss program or, you know, like as a lifestyle thing, and also understanding what that means, that it doesn't mean you have to do an hour long physical practice every day. Like yoga is an entire system. And so it has ethical precepts that you're supposed to follow and live by. Like, you know, it, it's, it's, deep. I mean, it's been around for thousands of years. There's tons of ways to do it. And the more you incorporate it into your lifestyle, the more of an effect it will have on your overall cycle. Like there should be times where you probably do move more. Like after you finish menstruating and you're fertile and you feel sexy and confident, like that is the time where you should probably be doing harder asana practices if that's what would feel good for you or if you lift weights or if you like to kickbox or whatever. And so I think, you know, honoring where you are in your cycle and what kind of movement you do is really smart. 
But I think yoga is a thing that the more you apply it to your life, the better the results will be. But it can also serve in the immediate. And did you find, did you find like that when you started practicing yoga, you, did you see a shift in your PMDD? Like, did you personally experience that? Not right away. I will say that. So, because when I first started practicing yoga, I was like anybody else. And I was like, I want to do a handstand. I want to be as strong as possible. Can I do a split? Can I get my leg behind my head? And so I had the totally wrong idea initially, like, you know, and I, I came to yoga for my mental health, but I was like, oh my God, I feel really good just from like working out. And I feel better because my body feels better. And like, you know, I just really went to the physical side initially. It took me a little while and it took me finding a really good yoga teacher and, you know, being a little bit further into my practice and meeting other more serious yoga practitioners to realize like, oh, this thing can serve me a lot more than just on the physical level. Like there is a lot more A to me <laughs> and B to this practice that is gonna help me. Um, and so when I started to apply it to my practice and really honor where I was, then I really saw the difference. Um, because I used to have a really hard time like with that, that hell week, you know, um, I have a moon mom and she would say when the veil thins, And that's basically when like my tolerance for bullshit would bottom out. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good metaphor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I used to have like a really hard time in my relationship. I would, you know, go after my partner for everything that like, it was bullshit. And some of the things that they were doing were things that like they should have done. And I should have been able to do it maybe in a healthier way if I did it, you know, during a different part of my cycle. But I started to realize that like the things that bothered me or that I get really upset about or emotional during that time were things that were valid. They weren't in doubt. Like they, I, they were things that I should be upset about and it's okay to be upset about them. But how I express that matters a lot. <laughs> yes. 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 I agree. That's where yeah. I should like, yeah, because I think, yeah. Yeah, how you express that because it's true. Because you, part of you at points might feel like, okay, maybe I'm. It's not valid what I'm saying. I'm just overreacting, and I think the fact that you overreact makes it look like it's not valid. But the oh, core yeah, of the message is there, right? Yeah, think, yeah, you undermine yourself. Yeah, because I, I did like you know with some of the interviews I've done, there were like some people that were saying that like that week before you get your period is a week where the tr- you channel the truth. Right. So whatever bullshit you've been dealing with, you get out because you want to die through your through your period and rebirth. Right. So you kind of you're cleaning all your closet. But I think there's a way between cleaning your closet in a kind way and especially kicking things out. (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly it. And like I am for feeling your shit like if you don't do it, nobody will. And it will stay stuck in, in your body because where else does it go? We don't like, you can't take your emotions out and put them in a backpack and leave them in the closet. You, you have to have them somewhere in here. Right. And so, you know, if we do just like kick it out once a week, that's way more painful rather than dealing with it throughout. And also finding that space where we can honor like, Hey, the things that I feel during this time, like they are real. And my inability to express them during like the times when I'm healthy, like maybe that's layers of other things that aren't, actually aren't mine, you know, like maybe that's more of some of that 
patriarchal capitalistic bullshit that says I'm supposed to be like this. And so that's kind of why I love the name premenstrual dysphoric disorder too. So this idea that you're dysphoric, you know, the opposite, the antonym of dysphoria is euphoria. So the other two weeks I'm supposed to be euphoric, like I'm supposed to just be like, yeah, oh my God, life ever. Cause no, I'm not. Like I can also be really anxious and depressed during that time too. I can also be dealing with other shit in my mental health life that maybe isn't as exacerbated by my cycle. But you know, the, the dysphoria part I just think is like, yeah, it is true because like we're living in like this dystopian reality right now too. Like <laughs> my dysphoria. <laughs> my dysphoria has like needs to exist somehow. Yeah. Yeah. I should be able to acknowledge this though. And like, you know, it's hard showing up as an angry woman, like especially the rage piece, I think for PMDD. I mean, cause that was one of the things that was hardest for me. <clears throat> I grew up in a household where like mostly the, ex the things expressed, the feelings expressed were like neutral or rage. Like that was like, it was like, you know, kind of neutral, normal or rage. And so like, like, why wouldn't I be allowed to also feel that way and have that within me like I was raised in it like why wouldn't that also still be a reality of my life now like I learned that it's a learned behavior right but because I'm a woman it's a little bit less acceptable that's not going to sit well with me you know like I'm allowed my anger there's plenty to be angry about but again right. I don't want to hurt myself I don't want to hurt other people like I don't even want to scare my cat you know like <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no I hear you And like, so most people that come to you, like with PMDD, like, so like, what do they, do they, do they, first of all, do they know that they have PMDD when they come to you? Well, I think, yes, right now, the people that I'm working with and like trying to seek out because like, I've kind of created this twofold problem for myself, which I love and I'm up to the challenge, but people have a misconception about what yoga is. And then people have a misconception about what menstrual cycles are and PMDD is. And so I'm kind of choosing the easier route right now where like I prefer to educate people about yoga before educating about PMDD. Um, and so even though I've been like teaching and talking about this for a while, like the infrastructure to actually help people and do like the, the actual stuff online and do all that, like I'm more limited in that just now, like I'm growing this thing. So it seems easier to like have people that are at least starting on this level with me. Right. Um, I do think though, I have to do a lot more actual PMDD education because I do think it's, it's crucial that people know like what they're up against in the first place. Yeah. Because so, a lot of time you're not understood on top of it. Like, you know, you're not understood by your partner. You're not understood by even like your family, even by other women, because some women would be like, well, I don't PMS. I don't know what you're going through. Like, you oh, know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's why I like the whole thing about, um, PMDD warriors. I don't know if you've seen that, but that's like the really common phrasing of what we call ourselves because you, you really have to like fight your own inner demons once a month and often in this very lonely way. And like the only other people who understand are the other warriors out there fighting their own little battles and their own little universes. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, having a space where people can support each other in that process and learn how to really truly validate their own experience so that they don't need like you don't need your partner to say like yes baby that's happening to you. you can be like it doesn't matter what you think i know what's happening to me 
And I know that this, I can validate this for myself. Like it's real for me. Right. And I feel, and because it's not talked about, because periods are are still taboo, like, you know, we, we don't talk about it. So when you have a problem with your period, there's no space to talk about it even more so, you know? Yeah. Well, this that's part of the reason, like, I love what you're doing. I love that you're like actually talking to people about their experience, what they're doing for it. And, you know, a whole variety of people, because we do have to break that taboo. And in a way, like I'm, I, I'm just like naughty in a way, cause I just like make things harder for myself than they need to be. But like, I wanted to talk about things that made other people uncomfortable. Like I like to talk about sex and orgasms and pooping and peeing and blood. And like, I want to talk about, because those are so normal. Those are the things that we all have in common. Right. And like, it doesn't matter what your background might be in any front. Like, it's just this, you know, this basic animal experience that we're all having that we treat as so foreign yet for, you know, someone menstruating each month, it's every fucking month. Like there's no, (laughs) it's just, I mean, yeah the the fact that there is a taboo just tells me that we still live in a world where half of our bodies are not equal to the other half you know finding a space where we can say like no i this is really important to me my my health and wellness and this thing that i experience every month like i've got to pay attention to it i've got to honor it especially to survive i mean one of the things about pmdd is when you have that suicidal ideation there's risk of suicide once a month and that's like uh, unacceptable that we would allow or expect anyone to just like live at that standard and not not help them and not try to honor that or recognize it in any way. Yeah, but I'm glad you're doing that kind of work though, and I I, I do wish that a lot of people like you know because I think a lot of people would not even consider yoga as a way to help them because they're not even attracted to yoga as in like you know. I just would think like if you are, if you tend to go through PMDD and you would tell me, yeah, you have to do yoga. I'd be like, I don't want to be wearing like leggings during that part of the month. Like, you know, it's just like, like, you know, it's, but I think if you address yoga from a different perspective and you allow people to deal with their PMDD through yoga in a positive way, I think it can have a lot of positive impact. Yeah, absolutely. And so those are kind of like my big teaching mechanisms right now is addressing the thought patterns in the mind. So that's addressing that like mental body. So the thought patterns that were just ingrained into us Um, in Sanskrit, we call them samskaras. And so they're basically like channels that we, we travel. We just go down these paths again and again. And in a society that does devalue you or only values you based on like income or you know, your social media following, or, you know, if you're Kylie Jenner, whatever, like these (laughs) very specific and and kind of obscure things, like they really aren't measures of health or happiness in any way, then it's really difficult to, you know, judge for yourself, like what, what, what is wellness? Like what is health? And so I think doing this kind of work, um, for me, I, I want to be able to share with people, First, that they don't have to suffer, that they can fall in love with themselves. And the affirmations are the way to retrain your mind a little bit, retrain it a little bit more towards gratitude, towards self-worth, towards self-acceptance. Because if you just repeat the same thing over and over again, like that's what's in your head. I mean, that's the power of pop song 
you know, right. advertising jingles and all of that. So affirmations are a big thing, trying to change the story, changing the narrative that you're telling yourself, especially when your anxiety is super high or you're dealing with suicidal ideation and you think it would be better to not exist, you have to affirm your existence and you have to go to battle against the demons in your own head and you gotta be on your own side when you do that. Right. Um, affirmations and then of course poses because you know the yoga poses are as varied as bodies are varied. And so um, all of the stuff that I teach is propped. It's from the Iyengar method of yoga. And so we use lots of accessories. I teach tons of chair yoga um, using the wall, things like that. So it's meant to be accessible for more bodies um, rather than limiting. And it, it, the body is a way to reach the mind and the breath. And then, of course, breathing practices. Um, the body so is the a way to, breathe, to reach the mind and the breath. That's nice. <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah yeah and so then the breath of course like i mean it's so crazy to me how little we actually understand our, our breath because you know the first breath we take marks us being in this world like boom okay you're alive and on earth congratulations here's your body like here's the life that you're in and we know that our last breath signifies the end of our life it's the close of the chapter and somehow we have forgotten that every breath in between is just as important. And every single breath we take is an opportunity to start over. Every single inhale is an opportunity to bring fresh energy in. And every exhale is an opportunity to release, to surrender, to let go of whatever shit's not serving you. And that's literally like the breath is a filtration system, right? Like we draw oxygen in, we convert it inside of ourselves and we send um, carbon dioxide out. And yeah. so, when we're doing that, we also have to remember that that breath is gonna happen unconsciously. And so that's our autonomic nervous system functioning, which is fantastic. However, if we just allow it to function on its own, then things that would trigger our fight or flight or freeze response that are not normal or natural for us, like an email triggering that or sitting in traffic or someone chewing in a way that you find annoying <laughs> like <laughs> those things like your breath will respond to that and it moves way up here and it increases your heart rate and if you don't know how to control that or know that that's even going on you can't stop it you're just subject to it right and so our breathing will happen automatically which is awesome thank god that that happens however learning how to control it especially in certain situations where control of it means control over yourself is supremely powerful, supreme. I mean, there's nothing more powerful than being able to regulate your own nervous system. To be able to self-regulate is the power of the yoga practice, in my opinion. That's very nice, yeah. See, I don't think they teach that when you take a yoga class. They don't go through the, the, these details. They don't, no, no. Well, that's why I'm here now, because I, I realized, you know, I talk about a lot of these things to my students that have been practicing with me for years, like they're a given. And, you know, you start to forget that you do know things that not necessarily everybody else does because, like, it's just, you know them. Right. And uh, when I first was like, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start bringing this, like, online. I want to start actually sharing with as many people as I can reach what I'm doing to, to survive each month. And so I joined a bunch of PMDD support groups. Oh, man. Good thing I've gotten a lot better at protecting my energy um, compared to where I was when I was working in domestic violence and sexual assault, because I mean, these women, they're suffering and they're, 
and they don't know, they don't know how much power they have to not feel that way. And, you know, right. I, I just feel so strongly compelled to help them because they, they want help so badly, but they're hoping that it's from the right mix of pills or, you know, the, the right, like, supplement that's going to come in and like, oh, it was just that I was missing B12 or whatever. And I think all of that stuff works together. Like, I think you need to use allopathic medicine, like nutrition and, um, you know, diet changes, things like that, I think are all hugely important. But I also think that they've forgotten that they already possess tools to help themselves. Like we already all have the ability to breathe. You don't need to buy anything. You don't need to do anything. You just need to start. <laughs> breathe and yeah. Wow. Yeah. Breath as like a healing, a healing tool. But I do think it's a great, like, you know, I do think that like knowing that there, there is this as an alternative is important for people to know, because it is true that people usually tend to go for like the, the fast fix. So give me a pill and I'll, but what they don't know is when they do take a pill, when they do start taking like the pill, for example, that there are side effects to it. Like there are yeah. huge side effects, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not today, but 10 years down the line, you might have like crazy side effects and you'd regret taking the pill, you yeah. know, and having more natural, like you, you see, like for me, I've always been interested to see like more natural ways of dealing with like any menstrual disorder or dysphoria or any, like, uh, I don't want to say problem though, because I just feel problem is such a negative word, but or even deal or man, I just like, I, I like to see a way to optimize my period and make it yeah. work towards my benefit rather than be a hindrance to my life, you know? Yeah, yeah. to honor the ritual. And, and I mean, that's, that's really where I am too. And I mean, I have to say it's working for me. Like, I don't think that my cycles have ever been better, ever. And I mean, so just to give you a little bit of perspective, I am like literally about to bleed. And so I, I like am, you know, just towards the very tail end of what would be considered my hell week. Um, and over the weekend, my grandfather passed away. I couldn't be with my family. I had every reason where I could have gone off the rails. I mean, I could have worked myself up into a tizzy and I would have in the past, like there's a lot of things that could have happened previously that I would have done, you know, to act out, to get attention to whatever. And I didn't have to do any of that this time because I've been in this place of honoring the changes that are going to happen that I know are going to come every month. And so I can prepare more. Like I have more of a buffer to know like, all right, this is what's going on now. It's not a surprise as much anymore. Like before I used to be, whose body is this? Whose mind is this? Now right. I'm like, this is fine. I accept all of this. You know, the, the fatigue and stuff that comes like, okay, I maybe haven't solved PMDD. I, I would never tell anybody that I'm going to fix them. A, because nothing's wrong. Like one of the biggest things I think is our acceptance of ourselves. I can't just be the euphoric me. I also am this shadow dysphoric self that is angry, that is sad, that is tired and overwhelmed. And when I know that that part's coming, like, oh, okay, I can rest into that. I can rest into the fact that maybe right now at this moment isn't the time to be creating as much and producing and pushing out and, you know, really yeah. up energy. Now is the time where like I can lay in bed and 
listen to a bunch of podcasts and, you know, watch a documentary and, and consume a little bit more, like consume more food often, like just, you know, wanting to kind of eat things that make me feel filled up and, and want to be, you know, more nested, you know, just want, I want to hold myself more during that time and honor the fact that I'm tired and sad and those things are okay. It's normal to be tired and sad and I don't have to pretend like I'm not. Right. So it's really like, yeah, I think it's surrendering to, like there's a part of like you surrender to the reality rather than fight it all the time, which is yeah. unfortunately what we've been taught to do, like fight it so you can be more productive, fight it so you can get like more shit done. Like, you know? Yeah. 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 Oh, like in your opening part in your documentary, when you first start speaking, and you're like going through all of your symptoms and then you're saying like, but I have to get to work. I wanted to be like, no, just lay down for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you, like, now, you know, I've, now, for example, I do take the time off. I've like, I've changed. But before I, it was never like, nobody ever told me that it's okay to take the time off. Like, you know, nobody, right. it was never brought up to me. Nobody ever expressed that like, it's all right to just chill when you, you, you're having your period. Right. It was like, no, you have to go to work. Just put a tampon. Like, what do you mean you can't go to the beach? Just put a tampon. Take some Voltaren. And I was really, like, overdoing, like, the Voltaren, which is, like, a anti... Uh, anas, anas, uh, like, it's, like, a hard drug. It's, like, Tylenol, but super hard. Yeah, so I was, yeah. like, almost sniffing Voltaren to be able to stand up and just go to work and, like, not complain and not, like, pretend that I didn't have my period. Whereas now, I don't pretend that I don't have my period. I actually let my period exist and take whatever space it needs to take. And it's yeah. changed, like, it helped me kind of change and my relationship to it and its existence altogether. Yeah, you know? absolutely. absolutely. And I think there's so much power in that because if you don't own it, like I said, no one else is going to. And no one else cares. Um, I, I know I keep talking about documentary, but, like, when you were in the desert and you were saying, like, hey, this is like the end of a cycle for me. And like, you're trying to get your husband and your mom to like <laughs> pay attention and honor this too. I, you know, I had to laugh because I was like, oh, that I just, I relate to that so much. And like, there, there it is right there where it's like, fuck what everyone else feels about this. I have to validate myself. Like, this is, yes, a thing for me. It doesn't matter if anyone else sees it. <laughs> but, it but it's so, I mean, we are not taught that. I mean, I think um, people who are raised as women, we're, we're taught to be socialized, to take care of other people, to commune with other people, like that we have to understand ourselves in relation to other people. Like we can't just exist the way I feel like a man can. Like a man is just like, I'm a man and I'm, I'm doing my man things on my own. I'm yeah. a man. Women aren't like that. Yeah. And it's, it is, I think, a little bit of us taking back some of the good things about masculine energy that like, yeah, you know, this, I can validate myself, but then also really truly honoring that very animal piece of ourself, that female animal, the biologically female animal that needs to menstruate. And yeah. I mean, really, it's, it's the most amazing thing to me that our body does. Like our body is so genius like the way it works and the fact that we have this filtration system and this automatic renewal you know right I mean it's marvelous it is I, I do think so it's like it's yeah it's perfect it can't be more perfect than what it is 
Yeah. And so, so what are your plans now? Like, do you, do you like, are you going to start giving classes online? Is that like, yes. So plan is to launch a, a true website. So that's like the stuff in the background. Um, I do want to start with just like a, a four week course. Like, so, um, a group of women that are going to want to work through their entire cycle together and using the practices of yoga. Um, and also who like kind of want to be my like beta community of, of people who want to help me understand the best way to offer this too, because I'm, I'm not like a marketing machine. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, I don't have a team. I do all of my own everything. Like, right. So I, I want some, um, you know, people who are willing to kind of just like join the initial bumpy ride as I figure some of this stuff right. out on like the technology side. Um, but then once I have the website up, I really want to do like regular classes for people who are, you know, working through whatever different parts of their cycle they're working on. And then also just have things where they can, you know, download like, okay, I know that I have something going on right now where I need a practice that's going to help me with this feeling like I just can't get out of bed. Right. So just log in and listen to a recording that helps you move past that point if possible. So, okay. um, yeah, I really want to have like as many resources for menstruators as possible. So dealing with all of the different levels of symptoms that they could potentially be dealing with. Um, and then also talking about the like social ramifications of being a menstruator, especially one with PMDD. So like, how do you talk to your coworkers about your cycle and like, you know, explain to them that this thing goes on and try to like reduce the stigma around it. How do you talk to your partner? How might you talk to your children and just start having some of those conversations of like, okay, we are not only are we breaking the taboo with ourselves and talking about PMDD, but we're also going to start to spread this awareness outward. We need to normalize bleeding. Right. Yeah, totally. I, 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 I wish I could uh, help you film your, uh, your yoga videos. <laughs> Oh, I know. I know. I, that's one thing. As soon as I like started to like, I felt like getting to know you through your documentary. I was like, Oh my God, I wish we didn't live so far away from one another. And you know, because I've time. In, in a weird way, I've been like, you know, the past, like the last month since July, actually, I've been working with this lady and she does, um, uh, so she's been doing a course called sensual yoga. Ooh. which is like we can like to be honest like because I've been working on it for like two months so I'm kind of like I've had it up till here <laughs> somehow but I just feel like I wouldn't call it yoga from our understanding of yoga but I think it's like it's hel it helps women to reconnect to their sensuality through movement I think it should uh -huh. be sensuality through movement not yoga I don't know they like to put yoga everywhere it just sounds I guess more fancy but yeah. so she's she's doing this course online and she's sell, she's going the plan is for her to sell it online you know because i feel everybody's now switching and moving online you know yeah yeah for me it was it kind of felt like the only option so i live like just outside of atlanta property here is outrageous like i didn't want to dig myself back into that hole of having like a brick and mortar um, and also just like if you crunch the numbers like how many people can i actually reach here like in person versus how many people might I actually be able to reach and interact with online you know without the overhead of a building or you know just the risk that that takes on right um, 
So my plan was to move online anyway, but I didn't think I'd have to do it quite so, so quickly. But it's good. Maybe it's good. It pushed you to like move forward. You know, I like just, I don't know, just a suggestion. And like, for, like I, I think like if you would offer something where it's like, like the movement and also like nutrition that aligns with it, like, you know, so you would align with a nutritionist or someone that can like guide someone with PMDD on how to live their life all together. Because then mm -hmm. I'm just like giving you a, an idea for far in the future but like because i know in the middle east a lot of women end up also going to bali a lot of the yoga practitioners or like a lot of the women who hold circles move to bali and a lot of the women of the middle east go to bali to attend these workshops that are very okay. specific like reclaim your sensuality workshop or like but if it's specific to periods like uh you know create a positive impact on your pmdd I think you would find a lot of women who'd be attracted to engage in immersive workshops where over mm -hmm. the period of like a week, you go through like the different types of poses, the breath, uh, and you give the, like, so after a week, I would come out with the tools to be able to practice at home and mm -hmm. change my relationship with my period somehow. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I am working with a nutritionist. Ah. And so... Yeah, so right now she and I are doing like my plan and we've been working on, you know, getting my nutrition right. Um, I tend to be one of those people that like, I don't have an appetite. Like I'm just not hungry most of the time. So um, working on like getting me to eat more and more of the right stuff when I eat, like, because I'm just really bad. Like I won't make myself a meal. I'll wait for someone else to make me a meal. <laughs> I, I wish I had that problem. <laughs> yeah. It's that well, I mean, I'm better now, but I, I feel like, you know, getting my own nutrition in order in some way has been like one of the roadblocks to talking about nutrition, like as part of this. But so my friend Mallory, who I'm working with, um, she and I, her whole thing is about hormone balancing. So we're going to try to sync up and do that together. And exactly as you say, I mean, because when all, hopefully when this pandemic is over and hopefully when the United States isn't so you know, right now I, I can understand why no one would want to let us in. And so it makes perfect sense. But when we can travel again, like, yeah, you know, my goal is to be able to talk to women all over the world about PMDD and it, it will start online, I hope. But I mean, I, I want to, you know, see these places and experience these different cultures and experience how different periods are in different places too. I mean, just yeah. the, no, but I think it's so important to talk about PMDD in other places of the world because like, you know, for in a lot of countries, I, I feel like because periods are so taboo, PMDD is definitely something that nobody knows about. Like, you know, in this, in the, in the Middle East, I'm pretty sure PMDD is, is a foreign wor word. I don't think there's a word for it in Arabic even, like, you know, like there's no yeah. word for PMS in Arabic. They're just like, you're nuts. And that's it. It ends there. Overreacting, dramatic. So PMDD is even like definitely, I don't think people are aware of that, that it exists, you know, the, and I think, you know, I, I, I always think that like, because you've gone through it, because you've experienced it, because it's something that is within you, you'd be the best person to convey that message. And through your shared experience, you'd be able to touch a lot of people's lives, you know. So that's why I really think, I really think you're like, you know, it's great what you're doing. 
you know, and involved because I, I think it's a combination of both, like partly like talking about PMDD and also giving tools to deal with PMDD. Because once that you know that you have PMDD, it's like, okay, and then so what now? Like, so what do I do? Right? Yeah, well, and that's been one of my huge frustrations in just joining like the social media world around PMDD because I am a really positive person and I think that one of the best ways to work through a lot of PMDD symptoms is to focus on the positive. And that's not to say that I'm not realistic and like I know stuff is shitty and I know there's reasons to be mad, but always coming at things from like this sort of nihilistic perspective um, that's what a lot of the PMDD memes are out there right now. I feel like there's this crazy mix on Instagram of like, you know, things that are supposed to be funny, but they're also like almost like normalizing the worst symptoms of PMDD, like normalizing rage or like normalize like wanting to cut your partner's head off once a month. Like, yeah, it's funny in some way. And it is a relief to, to know other people feel the same way, but also like, that's a reaction. And that's one of the things that I didn't like about working in domestic violence is the problem has already happened. Now we're just reacting to it. I wanna be proactive. I want to prevent the problem itself from occurring. And so I feel like, you know, there's those people who are, have this very negative kind of trying to keep a humor sense about it. And then there's these like other period coaches on Instagram saying like, I will fix your period. I will heal you. And, or, or I don't have PMS anymore. I don't have PMDD anymore, which if they don't, I'm thrilled for them. But every month is a new opportunity to go through some more bullshit that can make your cycle off or, you know, make whatever, I mean, it can exacerbate it, whatever. So like, I don't think it's as simple as like, it's one and done. It's not like a broken bone that you fix the bone and then the that's bone. It. Yeah. yeah. It's, but it's that's something, that's something that requires education, right? Because like, I think people think like once you've like, okay, so you, 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 okay, you're doing yoga for PMDD. So probably you don't have it anymore. And when there are days, there are months where you do feel like unwell and like, you do feel like a psychotic bitch like they're like but I thought you got I thought you got it fixed what's happening like you know I hear that all the time my mom goes like but I thought you spent two years doing this documentary and you're still PMSing it's like what the fuck is wrong with you like I still have it. Like, like, <laughs> like two years two years you wasted your life doing this and you still have PMS it's mm -hmm. like well I, 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 at least I'm aware now of where I am. Like, you know what I mean? It doesn't just like, they just like, I, I think the expectation is like, you're just going to take a magic pill, do some like yoga poses and basta, it's gone. Like, you know, like it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't be, it doesn't belong to you anymore. Right, right. Well, and so that's why so much of my focus is on this idea of radical self-acceptance and radical self-accountability. Like if you pop off on your partner, while you're on your site or like while you're in hell week, like you still popped off on your partner. The shit you said may have been true, but it was also hurtful. And like, you know, trying to undo the damage of that, like that's a real thing that you have to be accountable for. Even if like you are under, you know, different circumstances than maybe you would be ideally. Being accountable to yourself and also accepting that like, this is a thing that I'm going to have to deal with every month. Like, until I don't. And as far as I can tell, the time between it 
you know, slowing down and actually ending also sucks. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) To me, accepting that it's going to be a thing that happens every month, like that is one of the first steps, you know, it's like kind of the first steps, like if you're doing a or whatever, like you have to admit that this is a problem. This is a thing that I have to deal with. And no one else is going to. No one else cares because it doesn't affect them the way it affects me. And if it does, it's probably affecting them negatively and they just want it to go away. So, you know, I think that idea of being radically self-accepting and being like, you know what? I love myself. I love myself despite all of my garbage and despite like all of my fears. All of those things make me who I am. And every decision that I make out in the world, in my personal life, I have to know that I am making those decisions. No one else is making them for me. I'm choosing. Right. Right. And yeah. Most people aren't comfortable on though. (laughs) To to the acceptance. Yeah. It's hard though. Yeah. No, it really is. But I I do think like that's one of the things that is a, a strength of mine. Um, because I feel like I'm accepting of others where they are too. And like, I'm not trying to change anybody. I don't want to change anybody's mind. I don't want to change anybody's like diet or I don't want to change anybody's body. Like, I don't care what size you are. I will never talk about weight as like a good or bad thing. It's just a number. Like it's just your body. And for me, I think like making sure that people know that this is their journey and this is their story. And these are the tools that I have used. And I'm like, I basically am just trying to open up my toolkit and be like, here, this is what I've been using. Maybe these things will work for you. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to share, like, and subscribe and participate in my first period project or the pad art. All information are on the site i-bleed.com